Christmas is celebrated by billions of people around the world. So often in its observance, the theme of family togetherness, Jesus Christ, and goodwill toward men are overshadowed by commercialism, greed, and debt. Where did this holiday come from? It is meant to commemorate the birth of Jesus Christ. But did you know that its origins go back long before Jesus was born? Traditions like Christmas trees, wreaths of holly, and Santa Claus have roots far more ancient than anything in the New Testament. Learn about this history and why you should be concerned about it. Next on The Key of David with Gerald Flurry. Greetings, everyone. The most popular holiday in the world is Christmas. Now, we know that it's supposed to represent peace and joy and family harmony, but quite a number of people are beginning to question that and whether or not that really is the case. We see the tradition of gift-giving uh, uh, has been uh, just developed into a, a spree of materialism. And we've all witnessed shoppers and being uh, mobbed or mobbing stores and a kind of frenzied atmosphere, fighting for goods, <laughs> the discounted bargains, and that has just become commonplace. Is that really the spirit of Christmas? What, what is behind all this? We know that families go deeply into debt often, and there, there is depression, and all, oftentimes that's related to the uh, debt. And we see uh, even more suicides, more crime, more drunkenness, accidents, and divorce, family disruption at Christmas time than any other time of the year. Those are fruits that are a little alarming. So what is the what is Christmas all about? And is there maybe a, a hidden danger there that we need to be aware of? I want to give you a few quotes. I just have to, these are authoritative quotes from religious sources as well as uh, secular sources. And I want to give you a few of them to help you see what authorities even in this world say about Christmas, as I think many of you already know. But we need to look at them nevertheless and, and try to get God's perspective on all of this. Or, well, what, what is, it, uh, is it worth if God is not there? Here's what the Catholic Encyclopedia says. Uh, the, uh, this is the early Christians did not observe birthdays, not even Christ's birth. The Catholic theologian Origen, A.D. 185-232, acknowledged that, quote, in the Scriptures, sinners alone, not saints, celebrate their birthday. End of quote. So, it, he says they, they, uh, they didn't even celebrate the birth of Christ, or anybody else for that matter. Here's one from the new chef. Herzog Encyclopedia of Religious Knowledge, uh, certainly another an authoritative source. And uh, I'll just give you their, their quote here. Somewhere around three centuries after Jesus' death, church leaders decided to preserve the celebration but affix Christ's name to it. 
And then here's their quote. The pagan festival, with its riot and merrymaking, was so popular that Christians were glad of an excuse to continue its celebration with little change in spirit and manner. That is, it's take, it was taken from a pagan custom, they say. That, those are their words, not mine. So, if you look at uh, these authorities, you have to begin to question whether or not it is... Uh, something we, we should be so involved in. But no, notice here what the, today's Christian history says. Uh, they, uh, they point out that nowhere does Scripture advocate selling, uh, celebrating Christ's birthday. It just isn't in the Bible. These are my words. But here's what to Christian history says. Many believed it would be wrong to honor Christ in the same way Pharaoh and Herod were honored. Uh, birthdays were for pagan gods. Now that's uh, Shaf Herzog adds, Christian preachers of the West and the Near East protested against the unseemly frivolity with which Christ's birthday was celebrated, while Christians of Mesopotamia accused the Western brethren of idolatry and sun worship for adopting as Christian this pagan festival. And can you imagine what they'd think if they saw it today? If they saw what we were doing today. So there, there is a strong tie, they say, to the sun god. What's that all about? Well, there is a danger, in, uh, or I'll ask a question, is there a danger in keeping Christmas? Is there some uh, hidden danger there? in that. I want to show you something a little later that Jeremiah says that I think is very disturbing in that respect. But here we know there people get together and they can have family reunions, which certainly uh, kept in the right way is a good thing. So that, that's not, uh, there's nothing wrong with that and that can be helpful to the family, but how much of that is really a part of the celebration of Christmas? But we need to look for a hidden danger in this day. And I tell you, when you look into God's Word, you do see one. And it's disturbing, to say the least. So what does the Bible say about it? Well, if you look at uh, Luke 2 and verse 8, uh, it says, this is talking about uh, the date of Christ's birth, December the 25th. And if you start researching this, uh, the subject, there's no way it could be on that date. This is Luke 2 and verse 8. There were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Now, we wrote in our booklet, uh, December is in the midst of a cold, rainy season in Judea. The shepherds always brought their flocks in from the fields and mountains to be corralled by mid-October at the latest for their protection. You can see that in other scriptures, Song of Solomon 2.11, Ezra 10 and verse 9 and verse 13. It was all for the protection of the sheep. So, if you... Uh, I, there, there's more here I could give you. I don't think I need to get into that because we'll give you the booklet and let you prove it to yourself in detail what we're saying here and I'd give you a lot more than I can give you in this short program. 
But there are many people who keep Christmas know that, that it, it does have a pagan origin. And they say, well, they still think it's good and what they're doing is right and good. But there is something subtle and hidden here that we need to be aware of, that all of us need to be aware of. Anything that has to do with God is certainly, we're supposed to be related to what God did and all of that. Well, all of us need to be concerned about that. I think we can all agree on that too. So what is that danger? If you check those pagan customs, you'll see that every single one of them began with some kind of rebellion against God. Now that's just the biblical truth as well as the truth of many secular sources as well as religious sources. Let me give you another quote here from Biblica Sacra, volume 12, notes, quote, the interchange of presents between friends is a like characteristic of Christmas and the Saturnalia. It must have been adopted by Christians from the pagans as the admonition of Tertullian plainly shows. The fact is, this custom fastened upon people of exchanging gifts with friends and relatives at the Christmas season, and it has not a single trace of Christianity. Now, this is written by uh, Herbert W. Armstrong, I believe, but here, here's what he has to say. This does not celebrate Christ's birthday, nor honor it or him. Suppose someone you love has a birthday, and, and then he goes on to talk about how instead of giving the person who has the birthday the gifts, you exchange gifts with everybody that's there, and that, that's not the, the proper way to do that, but it says, when the wise men presented gifts to Christ in Matthew 2, verses 1 through 11, they were following an ancient Eastern custom of presenting gifts to a king. When they came into the presence, they were not giving gifts to each other as many do today, but to him, that's in verse 11 of Matthew 2. Now, what about Santa Claus? Now, we know as we grow older that that is a myth, and it can be a little disturbing to young people when they learn there really is no Santa Claus. Well, where does that come from? Let me read to you just a short quote here about that. This is taken from the Encyclopedia Britannica. You couldn't get a much better source than that in a secular way. Here's what it says. This is the 11th edition. St. Nicholas, Bishop of Myra, a saint honored by the Greeks and Latins on the 6th of December, a legend of his surreptitious bestowal of dowries on the three daughters of an impoverished citizen, is said to have originated the old custom of giving presents in secret on the eve of St. Nicholas, subsequently transferred to Christmas Day, hence the association of Christmas with Santa Claus. So there is, you see, all of these uh, activities we have at Christmas time, Christmas time they, they started from paganism. Now, is that, is that a trivial thing or is it very significant? We need to know uh, what God's view of this is. What does God say about Christmas? Can you prove that? Can I prove it? Do we really know what God thinks about all of these days like that? And Christmas is certainly the number one holiday around the world. 
But here, here is something you, you, we do need to think about, and there have been examples of people stating something like this after the children grow up a little older and see that they were really not told the truth about Santa Claus. Well, then they, they, they say, well, I'm going to begin to question uh, my belief in God. And it can indeed affect their faith in an adverse way. And something I believe that we should think about the Christmas means Mass of Christ, which it just came to be shortened to Christmas or uh, Christ Mass or Christmas. So, uh, do you find any of the original apostles keeping Christmas? No, you don't. Did Christ keep it? No, he didn't keep it either. The origins of Christmas lie in ancient pagan practices, not until the 4th century AD, 300 years after Jesus Christ lived and died. Did, uh, th- did you have Christmas? So, uh, what, what's to be done about that? <laughs> what are we to think about that? Let me give you one more quick quote here from Herbert W. Armstrong in his book or booklet, The Plain Truth About Christmas. But with the advent, advent of Constantine as emperor who made his profession of Christianity in the 4th century, placing Christianity on an equal footing with paganism, and the people of the Roman world began to accept this now popular Christianity by the hundreds of thousands. And then uh, he goes on to talk about uh, the uh, S-U-N of God, uh, the Son, the S-U-N was then changed uh, to sons, S-O-N-S, sons of God, and applied to Christmas. And I don't have time to get into too much of that, and I just want to show you something that is really critical here. You've heard of Nimrod, perhaps, in Genesis 10, verses 8 and 9. Nimrod uh, was a great tyrant, and he ruled over uh, much of the known world, and his name means uh, rebel or rebel. He rebelled. And he was the grandson of Noah's son, Ham. And he built the Tower of Babel, the original Babylon, and the ancient Nineveh, and he actually founded the Babylonian system. Uh, Semiramis uh, was uh, his, his own mom, and, and it says here, Semiramis, through her scheming, had become known as the Babylonian Queen of Heaven. That made Nimrod the divine son of heaven, and together they became a perverted mother-son tandem. And gradually he put himself in the place of the true God. So listen to this quote, and then I'll get into a scripture I want to talk to you about that is just, I think, very sobering. While Nimrod was alive, he had put himself in the place of God, and he continued to wor- they continued to worship him as a divine hero and called him Baal or Master or Lord, uh, and he uh, acted like he was Lord of the whole universe, and he also had the name of Tammuz, and he was called he and uh, Baal was considered the sun god, and then there was uh, Semiramis or Ashtarte who was the great queen of Assyria, or the queen of heaven. So what, what, uh, what does this all mean to you? And then he 
There's a lot about the evergreen tree and what it all meant. And it's just astounding how all of those beliefs come right out of paganism. Every single, you can account for almost every tradition involved in Christmas is from paganism. Now, is that all right? Some people think it is. But is it? Well, I don't, I don't have time to get into any more of that, but let me uh, go to you now, go with you to uh, Jeremiah chapter 10. Jeremiah chapter, chapter 10. Notice this. Hear you the word which the Eternal spoke unto you, O house of Israel. Thus says the Eternal, Learn not the way of the heathen, and be not dismayed at the signs of heaven. Or, that is, in other words, the sun god, Baal, the sun god, or Nimrod, or Astarte, the queen of heaven. Don't, don't be uh, dismayed at those. Verse 3, For the customs of the people are vain. For one cuts a tree out of the forest, the work of the hands and of the workmen with the axe. They deck it with silver and with gold, and they fasten it with nails and with hammers. And it moves not, they are upright as the palm tree, but speak not. Now look, when I grew up, that's almost precisely the way we would go out and get an evergreen tree for Christmas time and then decorate it exactly as they're saying there. So that evergreen tree tradition was, well, 600 years before Jesus Christ was what came to this earth and was born. Now, what is the danger then? Now, Jeremiah talks about just one of these traditions and then illustrates the danger, the, the hideous danger, if you will. And I mean, it's alarming, at least to me, the more deeply I understand this. Notice verses 6 and 7. For as much as there is none like unto you, O Eternal, you are great, and your name is great in might. Now, here's what Jeremiah is explaining, that it, where the people are distracted away from this. The might of God. I mean, the little baby Jesus is not exactly a picture of might, is it? Power, authority. No, it doesn't picture that. Verse 7, who would not fear you, O king of nations? And then it, verse 7 concludes, there is none like unto you. There's none like you. So Jeremiah is saying, well, now wait a minute. Those traditions cause you to move away from an absolutely essential understanding of the great, living, powerful, almighty God. That's what is being illustrated here. Notice verse 10. But the eternal is, is the true God. He is the living God and an everlasting king. At His wrath the earth shall tremble, and the nation shall not be able to abide His indignation. Thus shall we, uh, you say unto them, the gods that have not made the heavens and the earth, even they shall perish from the earth and from under these heavens. He has made the earth by His power. He has established the world by His wisdom, and has stretched out the heavens by His discretion." Such power God has. And in those traditions, you don't get that. You don't have that pictured. And, and with, we cannot function without the power of God. 
We can't survive without it very long, usually. And then the latter part of verse 13, He makes lightnings with rain and brings forth the wind of His treasures. Look, we, we have a, a lot of problems in this world, and we need God's power. We need a religion of power and might and authority to help us, because we're often totally helpless. What about we all of our race problems are in, in it we have today, and terrorism, and nation-destroying deficits? and political division, all the terrifying division, and we need God's omnipotent, all-powerful might to help us. We can't solve those problems, but God can easily. And all of those problems are a sign. They're a sign that Jesus Christ is about to come back and solve these problems for us, whether we like it or not. He's going to do it. And they, these, are, these very problems that you see around the world are a sign that He's about to come very soon. Verse 21, For the pastors are become brutish and have not sought the eternal. Therefore they shall not prosper, and all their flocks shall be scattered. Till God says, look, uh, we pastors have a, an enormous responsibility here, or we'll just have the flock scattered. We're going to be held more accountable than anybody else. And that's why Jeremiah puts this first. And, and I want to show you the attitude that Jeremiah had. You see again saying these traditions like the, this tree, this evergreen tree and, and all of that, it, it, it is about other gods if you look at where it came from. And he says, now look, here, here's what, what is happening. It's getting your mind off the true God of this awesome power that he has that, that, that is a part of our religion if we're following this God. Now look, Jeremiah showed us how to solve these problems. And let, let me just read verse 23. O eternal, I know the way of the, the man is not in himself. It is not in man that walks to direct his steps. O eternal, correct me, but with judgment, not in your anger, lest you bring me to nothing. So Jeremiah, the great, great Jeremiah, if he can say, Lord, it's not, it's not in the... the uh, power of man to direct his own steps, it, it, it just isn't there. And he, he, he saw that, and he came to God with a humble attitude and said, God, correct me. Correct me. Help me get these traditions uh, the way they should be, and get your word the way it should be. I want to see what you have as, as direction, what, what your, your perspective is. That's what I want to see. Correct me. How many people have that attitude? Do I have that attitude? Well, it's hard to be corrected at times. But again, we need the, need the very power of God. I could go on and give you a lot more information on that, but I don't have time. But I do want to, uh, again, to tell you it, this all detracts from the holy days of God. Now, uh, there, there is a holy, in that holy day plan, we are taught to memorialize the death of Christ, not the birth. 
In that last great day, everybody, it, it, it says in that last great day of that Holy Day plan that God is going to resurrect all the billions and billions of people who've never known God and give them a chance to know God for the first time. Now that, that is a beautiful and a wonderful truth, and we need to keep it in our thinking. We need to understand that. I just want to read one, one scripture to you that, that it talks about the last days. Perilous times are going to come, and everybody's all wrapped up in themselves. They don't have natural affection. They're traitors. They're heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. And notice what it says. Please get this. Verse 5, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. See, God says, look, there, there is power in all of this. There is power in, in true religion. There is power to overcome the devil and overcome the ways of this world. There is power to become a very son of God, born into the family of God for all eternity. That's not a fantasy, but there is this hidden danger, you see, that we get distracted in these traditions, these pagan traditions, away from the great and the powerful God, and we lose His perspective. What does He say, and does anything else really matter? Does anything matter but what God thinks and what God says? And we need the power of God to solve our problems. And He says He will solve them for us. And He's even going to protect His own people from what's coming in these terrible end times. He says He will protect those who do His work and give their lives to Him and dedicate themselves to Him. Until next week, this is Gerald Flurry. Goodbye, friends. Christmas is America's favorite holiday. Family togetherness and the life of Jesus Christ are both wonderful, but Christmas observance is also marked by greed, materialism, and debt. What are the origins of Christmas observance? Who invented this celebration? Did God command it? Is December 25th even Jesus' birthday? Request our free booklet, The Truth About Christmas, to thoroughly answer these questions for yourself. Discover how this pagan holiday not only fails to glorify God, but actually causes mankind to doubt His power. Many mainstream Christians realize the pagan origins of Christmas. They say it's acceptable to turn this heathen custom into a day of Christian worship. But what does God say? Request our free booklet, Pagan Holidays or God's Holy Days, which... God specifies exactly how His people should worship Him. It's up to each individual human being to heed those instructions. Study Pagan Holidays, or God's Holy Days, which, to understand the choice all Christians must make between the traditions of man and the Holy Days of God. Discover the stunning symbolism wrapped up in God's Holy Days. Also, sign up for Herbert W. Armstrong College Bible Correspondence Course. This 36-lesson course of biblical understanding reveals the true meaning of current events and the true purpose for life. You will receive a 16-page lesson each month containing the answers to life's most burning questions, including the Christmas question. All our literature is available absolutely free, at no cost or obligation to you. Order today. You will also receive a free subscription to the Philadelphia Trumpet News Magazine, 
The latest issue features analysis of America's radical leadership and where it's taking us, plus stories about the Paris terrorist attacks, Canada's undemocratic dynasty, the fearsome Vladimir Putin, and much more. The Philadelphia Trumpet. Understand your world. All our materials are available free of charge with no cost or obligation to you. Order today 